Gentlemen, are we ready? We are ready! Let's go. Hello, Internet, and welcome to another episode of Geek Fanthology. I am your host, Neil Cordray, and I'm joined this week by, once again and always... The one true Ben. And... Mike. Except for the times when they're not here. Right. But, but that, that's have, uncommon. Today we have a special guest, my new hat. It is quite a nice hat. You'll all have to come to, come to see our uh, booth at VisionCon to see uh, Ben's awesome new hat. Where we'll be joined by the rest of my steampunk outfit. And I'll be wearing a t-shirt and pants. <laughs> because step one is always pants. <laughs> step one is pants, indeed. You're, you're <coughs> cosplaying a podcast host. Yeah, I mean, I'll probably have the microphone and such out there. I don't think I'll record anything. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about The Tick Season 2, because we haven't done a review for, review of things in a while, and now we're about to do, like, three in very short and order. And it's also just something that's, you know, new and something New, we've already talked about it a bit, yeah. and, um, we couldn't think of anything else to talk about this week? That's not really accurate. No, we That was just think. my first idea, <laughs> and I like the idea. Yeah, and I've loved The Tick since the first animated series came out. That's fair. But, um, you know, the, tick, the Tick was so enthusiastic about the fact in the comics that he, when he found out, he had pockets. <laughs> and they uh, were miraculously seemed to provide to produce a never-ending stream of two-dollar bills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the whole uh, the whole Tick's costume changing is apparently like a thing now. Like that's a seems to be a recurring thing. Yeah. Well, we, we're, we but we're getting ahead of ourselves at this point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's what you call a teaser. Yes. First, news, geek news, all the news that's fit to geek. Mike, what do we have? Well, uh, for starters, the, uh, no pun intended, the Critical Role Legend of Vox Machina Kickstarter campaign just concluded recently, and uh, the grand total is $11,385,449, which is just insane, because the initial goal was only $750,000. Uh, I was just happy to see it break the 8.8 stretch goal because I really wanted to see the full Briarwood story arc be a thing right off the bat, bat. and uh, so that's that's a thing. So just to translate for people who haven't heard or haven't heard some of the updates or seen them on the website, initially it was just going to be a special, which was going to be like a short anime special, maybe half an hour or so, or maybe a like a full hour-esque special, but because of uh, it exceeding beyond their wildest expectations, they kept uh, coming up with new things to do for it, and they wanted to make, it was important for them to make sure they're just, you know, adding actual animation and having, you know, prioritizing where all the money goes and all that good stuff, and uh, so they eventually decided to do a, um, to do a series um, based on the Briarwood story arc, uh, which was the first, um, or I guess technically the second main arc in the first campaign after the uh, Underdark arc. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's going to be 10 episodes. I, it's, the breakdown is that the first two episodes are the original pre stream adventure thing that they're doing, which was the original idea, and then a full eight episode arc of, uh, of the Briarwood storyline. And each one of them is like 22 ish minutes, basically a half hour with what commercial breaks would be subtracted lengthwise. Um, so yeah, that'll be pretty cool. And so they're going to be launching right into all the pre-production stuff now, um, getting the uh, getting the scripts together and doing all the preliminary stuff, and it's pretty exciting. Oh, um, oh and also for those who are MST3K fans, or apparently Misty's, which is like the Misty is the uh, is the uh, accepted parlance. That's yes, the nomenclature. Yeah. 
So um, Joel Hodgman uh, showed up to uh, do a passing of the torch for the most backed television uh, television and film category and film for category Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah well, that's another thing to kind of kind of um, uh, put the cherry on top here in my uh, mention of the Kickstarter campaign is. Uh, it was number one in film and television ever, eclipsing uh, Hodgson's MST3K uh, renewal or comeback or resurrection. Oh, good two mil. Whatever it was. Yeah. Um, oh, is that it? Huh? How much? Um, oh, you mean that was the difference? Yeah. That by, was the margin. Like okay, I was going to say. <laughs> no, no, no. I yeah, mean, yeah. If I recall correctly, they got like a stupid amount of money. Let's double Well, not check. only that, but um, of all of the... Of all of the projects and all of Kickstarter, they hit number five. That is insane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially when you compare it to the other things, because the other things were like... No, no, I'm sorry. They beat it by five million. I oh, was wrong. Okay. Yeah. The other things that you see if you look at the top ten list, is are, they're like more expensive, tangible items. Here, have this really nice handbag. Or, or these, like a digital watch. Or kick-ass something. watches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, which, you know, I mean, it's not to, you know, it's apples and oranges, but I mean, it's, it's impressive in the sense that with that stuff, it makes sense that you're going to have a lot more upfront large support because you are buying a high quality, tangible product sooner, as opposed to just this nebulous, hey, we're going to do a series about, you know, we're going to do this, uh, entertainment series and it's not even like specified quite yet how like it's going to be distributed and all this other stuff i mean it's not to say it won't be done really well it's just it's a lot more when you when you talk about an entertainment product especially one that's digitally distributed it's a lot less tangible and specific mm-hmm. than a actual hey here's the thing we're building and making and we will send out yeah right. uh, which by the way joel hodgson mentioned on the celebration uh on their party that um when you're, you're kind of just asking him for general like advice about like you know, getting the rewards out and stuff. He's like, my big takeaway was the coffee table book was a giant pain in the ass. <laughs> He's like, don't do a coffee table book because it is harder than you think. And you'll keep wanting to add and improve and it's going to just go out of here. It's going to snowball out of control. And it all wound up really great and everyone's getting it and everything, but it took so long to became such a monster of a project. It just kind of, it was like the ultimate digression. So yeah. it looks like they're in good shape because a lot of the stuff they're doing is stuff that's like based on things they've already done and things they know they're doing. Like, with the dice and stuff like that, like they have practiced making the stuff for the non-exclusive stuff. So right. it all sounds very reasonable and, you know, I, I don't see any, I don't project any delays on most of the reward stuff, which I don't care about anyway because I didn't back enough to actually get a reward. I did. But I did throw a few bucks at them just to be part of history and show my support because I, I felt it would be, um, it would be kind of disingenuous of me to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to throw five bucks their way and then see how well it does and go like, oh, well, they don't need my five dollars anymore. It's like, well, if I wanted to support it, I should support it. So right. I still supported it. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I you threw know. 100 bucks at them because I wanted the dice. <clears throat> well, there you go. <laughs> it's the most expensive set of dice I've ever <laughs> Well, there's a new record broken right there. But anyway, uh, speaking of digression, should do some quick hits and other stuff, make sure you don't spend too much time on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mortal Kombat 11 continues to do character reveals, and mm-hmm. uh, some of them look pretty awesome. I gotta say, I love the design for Sector, um, who is the uh, the Edgelord robot added Mortal Kombat 3 along with the other Edgelord robot, who is the yellow one. He was the one. Red, Sector Wasn't was the one. That Sector originally from like Killer Instinct. No, he wasn't. Okay. He, he was a new character they made for Mortal Kombat 3. Okay. You may be thinking of Full Gore. He was the robot in Killer. Yes, Instinct. Yes, I am in fact thinking of Full Gore. Yes, yeah. thank you. 
And uh, there's some more, you know, traditional ones, although there's really only a game or so separating them. You have, uh, uh, well, of course, the OGs, Luke Kang and Johnny Cage. You have Katana, Shao Kahn. Um, there have been several they've released, but apparently that's like their whole drip, drip, drip. Uh, marketing strategy. MortalCombat.com for anyone who's interested in seeing the latest updates. You gotta spell the combat like you're in the 90s. With though. a K. With a K. Yeah, it's also important that when you're playing the arcade game that your coins are with a K. Insert two more coins to continue. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. It's like they were playing a game, like a drinking game, like how many things can be replaced with a with fucking K? K right? <laughs> combat, continue, coins. Uh, in like the modes of gameplay, they would you know they would put you know, I mean just anywhere it was ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, you get the point. Continue, continue. The yeah, continue. Chaos. chaos. Yeah, that was another one there. Yeah, anything you could fucking throw a K on, they did it. Uh, another video game news. Well, you got to admit there. You got to applaud their consistency at least. Yeah, with now spell that consistency with a K. <laughs> <laughs> um, other video game news. Um, Assassin's Creed Unity was uh, was offered free for a week after the uh, the terrible fire in the Notre Dame Cathedral, and um, interestingly enough, they are uh, they're using they when they did the game when they did Unity, they did a bunch of painstaking research to recreate uh, Notre Dame Cathedral amongst other things very well, and um, they are using that knowledge uh, in. They're planning to, to, to rebuild and redesign some of the stuff that was lost in the fire. Uh, I mean, obviously, it'll never truly be the same, but it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And um, that is an another satisfying thing to point to, when, although, admittedly, um, it's a dwindling number of people saying this, but people being saying things like, video games aren't important, video games aren't art, video games don't do anything or help anything or contribute anything. It's like, they're literally being used to help rebuild a priceless, timeless piece of yeah. architecture and because religious significance. Have, because designers have made them it, an art form. It's It's almost as if there's an entire team of literal artists working on these things, and performers, and entertainers, <laughs> and writers. And writers and, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a bigger industry. It's it's if officially bigger than the movie industry. It, it is. Um, it has been for a few years now, at least, I think. Um, and it's funny, because it's, it's just one of those things that like a lot of the old guard in the media don't want to talk about, because it makes them feel old and yelling at kids to get out their own because they are. Old but, man yells at Cloud. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, the video game and, and anymore, the publishing industry is starting to outstrip. Um, you know, not completely, but it's starting to, with self-publishing and things like that, and then you get into the video game industry, which is largely self, you know, they create them. They create themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a reflex. It's a reflex of the old guard not liking things changing. Like you saw this with web comics a lot too. About mm -hmm. ten years ago. Yeah. Um, actually, even older than that. Maybe like fifteen years ago is when it first you first started to see the blowback. But a lot of people that just had their cartoon syndicated newspapers like, what's with the internets and the comics and the things? And yeah. I sounded like yeah. Bill Cosby there for a second. I'm not quite <laughs> what, sure why. Yeah, because uh, that's, <laughs> because that's the old school, you know, and and it's terrible and wrong, but. Yeah, it's it, like, it was funny. Know, it's it's funny is that a lot of the pioneers in this area are gamer artists. Yeah, Phil Foglio's girl genius. Um, you know, because Phil Foglio was back in the day in Dragon with what's mm -hmm. new with um, Trixie and was it Matt and Trixie or I can't remember. Those are before my readings of Dragon, so. Right. Um, the first thing that I would, the, 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 but 
I go back to the fact that he that uh, the Foglios did art for Magic the Gathering cards as far back as as far back as I am aware of as the expansion The Dark, which was like the sixth expansion ever. Um, like the fifth sixth release of, of, of cards. <laughs> it's crazy to think like I think Magic the Gathering started around nineteen ninety six. Like that's when its first release was before any expansions, if I recall correctly. Um, it's been around for more than twenty years now, I think. Um, Magic the Gathering. I'm thinking ninety yeah, yeah, forty yeah. uh sorry, no, that that's the per that's a person. Sorry. Do, 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 do. Oh, you're Magic checking that. That uh, that reminds me. You're talking about webcam. 1993. Oh, it's even longer than I thought. Wow. That must have been when it started to really hit it big, and I saw like TV ads and stuff. Um, Richard Garfield yeah. had an idea. But um, <laughs> the whole talking about webcomics reminds me. There's also another important piece of news uh, that I should um, touch on here. Um, I'm a big fan of Acquisitions Incorporated, the Penny Arcade stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't, I don't have the hours in the day to actually watch all the C-Team stuff, but whenever they do a big thing at a con or whatever, I'll watch it, you know. Um, they are, uh, they've been collaborating with Wizards of the Coast to make an official book, not just a third-party one, an official book with Wizards of the Coast, mm-hmm. um, Acquisitions Incorporated, um, and it's going to have basically all of the, like, information about how to, like, run an Acquisitions Incorporated group or team or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and it also has like a level one to six adventure in there as well. Nice. And of course, you know, because it's got Jerry and Mike doing the uh, writing and it's art along with Wizards have, of the Coast, you know, there's going to be it's, just tons of jokes and great layout and I'm stuff. guessing that Mike's going to do a majority of the art. I would imagine it. Mike would do a lot of the art, yeah. If not, not if just not all, all of it. <laughs> yeah, that might be part of the whole, you know, process there. But uh, I'm bringing it up now because um, it was revealed fairly recently and they have an official date for it, which is very soon, June 18th this year um huh. they're going to have the physical book and there's going to be on D beyond it's going to be on uh roll 20 it's like it's a full-on release everywhere and everything hmm. so that's pretty sweet and uh, i have a friend of mine who's a uh, big ac- acquisitions incorporate well i have a couple friends that are big acquisitions incorporated fans actually mm-hmm. and um one i may wind up doing uh a game with uh, on roll 20 at some point and a buddy of mine who's going to be uh in town <coughs> this summer you you met a <coughs> Pardon me. You met at my wedding, uh, Jordan. Uh, he is going to be in town briefly, now, so we decided um, I'm going to do a one-shot for him with an Acquisitions Inc. thing, and that book's going to be out in time to do it. Nice. <coughs> I was considering it, but I wasn't sure when the book was going to come out, but now that I have official release date, I should have the book in my hands before he shows up, at least uh, you know a week or two before he shows up. It's going to be awesome. Excellent. I'll be sure and report on that and let you guys know how that goes. Cool, but, uh, cool. Yeah, that's exciting stuff there. Yep. Other quick hits on video game stuff. Uh, there's a remake of 13 going on, which yep. was a cell shaded game, which I want to say was sometime was in the 2000s. N64 or PS... It was GameCube something? era, GameCube. actually. No, was that when the X... It was all those. XIII. Yeah, it's a Roman numeral 13 if people are searching for it. Um, but yeah, that was it. Was that current generation? Of, it was a PS2, Xbox, and GameCube generation, and it also had a PC version. So it's similar thing here. It's going to be out on PC and all the current generation stuff. Uh, PS4, Xbox One, Switch. Um, but yeah, unique art style. Supposed to be a pretty fun game. Got good reviews. I never got around to playing it, but I may check it out. Um, this would actually be an instance of me. Uh, caring about a remake because it would be one where I could actually play something new for a change. <laughs> it's the whole like, uh, you know, like NBC, if you haven't seen it, it's new to you thing. 
Um, what else we got? Capcom Home Arcade Mini Console that looks to be cool, but hella expensive and yeah. necessary. This one at least this one at least justifies its existence a little bit more than the if to, at least to me than the little Raspberry Pis that that everyone else has been releasing so far. Yeah, because. Admittedly, yes, you can actually hook up arcade controls to a Raspberry Pi, and it's probably still running one. But it's a full it's a full two player fight stick six right. button controller. At least it's actually a, a real unique experience, yeah. as opposed to a mini console that is obviously just running a small Linux machine. Right, and I think that it has. There's a bit of a market for like the pe the person that wants to have an arcade experience, but can't drop tons of money on a MAME cabinet or whatever. Yeah. You know, like like thousands of bucks. No, not really. Well, it depends on what kind of machine, I guess. I, I don't know what the range is, but at least, I would assume at least a grand for a decent machine, right? If if you're willing to put in some work yourself um, in the assembly, you can get a decent MAME cabinet up and running for like 250 bucks. Oh, really? Yeah. For a... You keep in mind, you have to acquire the games legally. And you're, uh... You're talking about, like, a full cabinet screen controls everything. Yeah. For under 300 bucks. Yeah. You just have to do most of the work yourself, including the, the, the construction of the frame. Okay. Well, <laughs> for someone who's not a carpenter, um, how much more do you think that would be? Mm, probably about five. Oh, okay. Well, that's not bad. It's not. It's not too bad, for the price of a current gen console. You could pro. You could get a. You could. You could get a decent. Well, this thing is system okay. Well, then that puts it in a different context because this thing is apparently going to be, be about two hundred bucks. To uh, the two, Capcom thing, they were well. It's two thirty euro, and they, that translates to two sixty currently. So, um, I would assume it'll probably end up. They'll probably actually end up uh, leveling it at two fifty, if I had to guess. Yeah, well, it's all speculation. Yeah. Point is, it's going to be somewhere in the in the neighborhood of two to three hundred dollars, which mm -hmm. is also in the neighborhood of if you can do the work yourself, actually having a mames <laughs> system. But anyway, yes, at least it's a thing that is different to not just hey guys, remember this console? Here's a little mini thing that has an emulator in it. Now pay yeah. us a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Admittedly, I've been, I've been tempted to buy a like the the I was te very tempted to buy the little uh, mini the little mini SNES. For the simple reason of being able to play those games on my TV. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I mean, if, if it's a thing where legitimately there's at least several games on there that you would actually play, then go nuts. Yeah. Like, I don't care. It's not like it frustrates me that people buy them. I'm just so tired of the, like, uh, I don't know, just like the drip, drip, drip of all these little mini, hey, guys, remember the 80s? Remember mm -hmm. the 90s machines? Like, it just, I'm just like, eh. Well, it's never going to stop. Yeah, I mean, as long as nostalgia sells, yes, it'll continue to be. As a long thing. as nostalgic people still have money, they are willing to spend to try and, re and to try and regain their misspent youth, <laughs> uh, which is impossible. Yeah, um, said the guy who talks about nostalgic stuff on a podcast for. I mean, theoretically. I, I mean, how much of it is really nostalgia though? We mainly talk about current things That's or true. more general concepts. Anyway, um, other quick things. Uh, obviously, for the Star Wars fans, um, celebration, Star Wars celebration happened. Yep, my uh, sister, uh, my sister-in-law, my brother were there. Apparently, they got they bullshitted their way into more than one panel that they didn't have tickets for, which is impressive. I don't know how she did. Most it. impressive. Um, <laughs> she uh, 
She had a uh, she she had a, a phone video of the trailer up before uh, like a, about a, about a minute or two before the official trailer went live on YouTube. So it <laughs> seems like a wasted effort, but okay. Hey, it was something. <laughs> Feel the scoop flow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, so yeah, obviously there's that. There's the episode They're nine trailer. Dune too. Mm-hmm. But I think we've. I feel like we've talked about we, that. Fallen Jedi. That. Oh, you mean the? Um, yeah. Then, well, that that implies a Sith. It's Jedi Fallen Order. Is Jedi Fallen Order. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They they had a reveal for the game, which by the way, and this this pleases Neil quite a, a great deal, I'm sure. EA has no multiplayer, no microtransactions. You will see how long that lasts because EA is still at the helm. But that's what EA has said so far. So. Uh, it is nice to see. Well, it's like people is there, is there Darth Vader redemptive art. Yeah, you got to <laughs> you've got to realize that there is a market for single player only games. Although this is just you know out of a profit motive instead of a love of their son or whatever. But you know, you yes. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, and then Ben, you mentioned there's the the boys reveal trailer that series on Amazon yeah. Prime, and it's a red band trailer. Or it's a, it's a it's an explicit trailer. <clears throat> so, yeah, evidently in a, in a world where superheroes... <laughs> that was last out. week. Yeah. Or last time, I should say. Yes, but this was not then. Um, where superheroes are corrupt, one man forms a team to bring them down. So, I think that covers all the news that's fit to... That's oh, yeah, and also, fit. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, um, Joker from Persona 5 was just added, which... If you play the game, I'm sure you already know. You already knew it. I was I was intrigued by the uh, by the trailer for by by the uh, the teaser for that, but at the same but at the same time I don't have a switch, so I'll have to ask Ethan how that is because I don't think he costs anything. I think I, I I may pick one up when they do the new design of it when they do the new when they release the new switches. Yeah. So I'll I'll if I do uh, that's the first thing I'm getting obviously because Smash mm-hmm. Brothers is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been one of those things that's just been consistently great across all the consoles. You never hear anyone go, oh, but this Smash Brothers sucked, you know? Like, there's always some controversy amongst, like, storied franchises with, like, Mario or Zelda or, you know, uh, Metroid or whatever, where some yeah. people are like, I don't like this game as much, blah, blah, blah. But every time there's a new Smash Brothers, everyone's just like, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, some people... Trying to open a beer with a, with a pair of ice grips. Now, some people may say... Oh, um, Neil. Yeah? Hang on. You just ask for a bottle opener first. Yeah. But then I wouldn't succeed in opening the, bo- the bottle with a pair of vice grips. Oh, I, t- I took my knife out. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's pretty much all I got. All the all the news that's fit to geek out about. Because I can't find my bottle opener. And I left my knife somewhere, because it's not... Not like I don't have one, it's just I can't find it. Oh, there it is. Found it! (laughs) You should have a designated spot that you keep it in. See, I have one. It's always on my knife. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, two small ones in the back. There you go. That's why that knife has stuck with me for years and years. And no one's stolen it from you, apparently. Nope. And I haven't replaced it. I mean, I've had other, you know, like secondary blades, but I've always, kept, I've always kept this one with me. I mean, my current secondary blade is the one that left a scar on my right hand. So, 
and the tick. To spoiler of the week. Ah, uh, yes. Spoiler of the week. Spoon! <laughs> Which, oddly enough, is a spoiler. Then well, now everyone will wonder. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'll let them wonder. Uh, so, Tick, season two. Um, standard, uh, standard procedure other than that little mini-spoiler there. Uh, we will talk about it, and then we will talk about spoiler, then we will uh, pause, and then we will spoil it. So the first talking about it will not be spoiled. And I'm sure that'll be a relatively short first half. Except for how the tick... Wait. <laughs> so... I feel like you can't talk too much about it without getting yeah. into spoiler territory. Season yeah. 2. Um, yeah, overall impressions to start with. Season 2 was like a, a, a series that it just basically... Been around because it's it what they weren't too ambitious. Mm-hmm. Um, um, they did do some ambitious arcs, but they weren't too ambitious. They didn't try to go, oh, look at this master story arc until you know, until later on, they're going, oh, this was one massive story arc. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was, I mean, it was overall well done. I like the way the characters, uh, you know, continue to evolve. I think structurally, you had like they did, uh, Several smaller arcs, and then kind of just connected them together into a bigger overall arc. Yeah, it, it worked. It worked out. And I think really it worked well. well. Yeah, I, mean, I, like, I loved. I st- I Miss Lint is my all-time favorite supervillain. Oh, she's great. I I gotta say, um, in this season, I loved Edge Lord though. He was Edgelord. just Lord. He was just so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Although he wasn't really all that much of an actual Edge Lord. By the way, you realize you're getting Dorito dust on the top of your hat, right? Uh, no, that's, that's actually that's not sticking. It's, okay, it, it's just like you're. Leather hat, I know. Dorito my, my, fingers, I know. I've already, I've already sucked off everything that would. <laughs> no, we can edit that in post. <laughs> I've already, I've already gotten all, all the off that's gonna come off. No, yeah, again, no. edit in post. They're, 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 I'm gonna clip that to, 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 to steal, <laughs> yeah. a, to steal a, uh, a Twitch. <laughs> um, yeah, Miss Lint. Miss um, Lint. Yeah, awesome, awesome. I mean, you don't, ne- you never know. Where she's going with that arc, and you almost she never knows where she's going. Yeah, that's kind of the point. Um, it was nice. Yeah, yeah. But I loved Edge Lord. He, I loved how he he tried to lean into it. But that's I think I think the thing is like he's like I'm Edge Lord, but he rides a bicycle. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's not really. That's just a theme. Yeah. He's trying. He's a wannabe Edge Lord. Is well, that's, that's a hard concept for me to. Well, I, I think I think most people that would call themselves Edge Lord are. Wannabes, anyways. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, now, all, the only way it would have been even better is if his first name had been Grimdark. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like some. Or his last name. That reminds mm-hmm. me of the Penny Arcade joke, uh, where I mean, they have an entire character that was a joke character that they, you know, uh-huh. uh, the, to make fun of. Um, oh God, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, that that's Todd McFarlane, right? Yeah, Todd yeah. McFarlane. Yes. Doctor Raven, Dark Talon, Blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, like, yeah, the demonic doc- familiar. <laughs> yeah. I forgot his name, yeah. but but yeah, yeah Doctor Raven Darktalon. Yeah, and it's like because yeah. it's like he kept trying. It's like it's like Edge Lord. What kind of name is that? It's because I'm so extreme. <laughs> what are you? Fifteen? You want to talk about my age? You want to talk about my extremities? <laughs> you know, it's just it's like interesting. That's kind of suggestive, but but anyway. no, Edge Lord was was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. They, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to talk about too many specific characters without getting into plot stuff. Right. But I will, I can say one thing here. Um, there is a group of, um, we'll just say antagonists that were uh, 
they were fishermen from the coast, which I love the theme going on there. It's kind of like a theme without being yeah, a theme. Well, yeah, they're just people, but they happen to be those type of people. Yeah, so they all so yeah. they all happened to to be yeah, which was it excellent. Fit a theme organically. One yeah, could say. well, yeah. it's well, it, <laughs> and I liked how like with the terror on ice, literally. Um, Yep. In a very, very real sense. They, they said they're going to dethaw, by the way. Yeah, they're going to thaw him out. So the there's still a possibility trial. of him showing up. As oh, well. yeah, he'll, he'll probably show up next season. Um, well, next half of the season, because this was technically the end of the first half of season two. Actually, well, this, this, felt, was, this was season this, two. Oh, this was actually season no, two? there were ten episodes. Yeah, there was all oh, ten okay. episodes. This yeah. is all there. I thought, I thought they the, were doing the half season bullshit I wish, again. I wish. No. no. But no, last time they did six season, six episodes and then uh, another six a few Cliffhanger! Oh, was it 12 episodes? Last season was 12 episodes. Uh, no, I mean season 2. No, season no, was 1 was 10. 10. Season, season 2 was 10. Season 1 was 12. That's what I was asking. Yeah, season 1 was so 12. So this was just 10 episodes. This okay. was, yeah. It was a lot of fun, though. It was um, great. Once again, they're doing a great job with casting. Yeah. Like, all the casting, all the acting's really great. Yeah. I'm and the really, writing is amazing. Yeah. I love the dialogue. And I, oh, and I love how we just have a bunch, we have a few heroes that just kind of come out of the woodwork now that yeah. Well, I mean, the Aegis has shown up, and he's yeah, like, Aegis. hey guys, or Aegis, rather, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He's like, hey guys, you can be heroes again, so it only makes sense that now you have all these people just kind of showing up. Yep, right. Know, and, oh, and there's the whole drive to be part of Aegis, because then, you know, membership has its privileges and all that, you know. Yeah. Which, yep. amongst other things, which isn't really spoilery, is the most amazing croissant you have ever tasted. Awesome. Because awesome. of the nano butter. The yeah, nano butter. Nano butter makes it. Only smaller. Although, that's kind <laughs> of like... And you you make croissant by laminating the butter between layers of like it's essentially made out of puff pastry, yeah, except but not. Still, but still, it's but. it's the nano butter that makes it. It's like regular butter, only smaller. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, but I love that everybody loves the croissant. Yeah, everyone's like, yeah, man, a, these are just well, in 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 a, in a in a meta way, like. It's it's funny because it's a recurring joke, it's a callback joke, but it's also legitimately a narrative device to make sure certain people are in the same room at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Which in and of itself is kind of a meta joke because it's so ridiculous. Right. Yeah. The hero lounge. Yeah. People just Mm -hmm. hang out there, even like. Yeah. Um, It's like it's like um, because we see some of the. This isn't too much spoilery. We see some of the characters like everybody knows everybody. It's like everybody knows Bronze Star. Right, and you Bronze Star, how you doing, man? You think back to the bastard who read your book. <laughs> that was that, which is a it's a, a patent, a general patent one. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's a <laughs> but um, that that's uh, what I notice is the way they do that is that takes it back to how the cartoon and I would assume the comics, which I never read, mm-hmm. um, works. Where it, that's just kind of a thing is that everyone kind of knows everyone, and it's this whole like. Gossipy high schooly kind of thing where it's like, yeah. oh, I know that hero and it took that place, villain. It and... took the place of the diner where they hang out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It fills the they same used to hang out at the, at, at the diner, but yeah. now they hang out at the lounge. Yeah. lounge. Um, I do yeah. like how the city is now officially named the city. The city. The city. Yeah. yeah. Like, because <laughs> there, there are a few things that, like, by order of, you know, by order of the city. The city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like a who's on first routine, but right. Yeah. Um, but I think my favorite of the hero characters was Flexon. The Flexometric Man. Yeah. He never really did much, but... But he did so much. Yes. He never did much in the field. Yeah. But he was kind of like that... He was that, that mentor, you know, who, who was... He was like, 
So you go down to the docks. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Guy. yeah, we'll get into that in spoilers, but uh, yeah. there's, a, there's a great I, bit that he does. I really liked Sage, the uh, the, the supernumerary. <laughs> yeah, because it's like he leaned into that whole... He, he leaned into how hard of a black exploitation character he was. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. He leaned so deep into that. He's like, I'm from nowhere, everywhere. And Baltimore, <laughs> and that's where you get, the, and that's where you get the 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 woo the woo music, right? right. You know, it's like everywhere, nowhere, and Baltimore. Yeah, just like, music. Yeah, I'm just yeah. like, okay, that just worked out perfectly. Well, pr- plenty of uh, crime to clean up there, so yeah. it's a good place to start. Yeah, good place. Aren't you with? Aren't you with? Yeah, and it's just like. It's like, yeah, the righteous. T- yeah, aren't you with the righteous? Yeah, well, we population problem. <laughs> I'm just like... Because that harkens back to the old X-Men. You know, you had the gold team, you had the blue team, you know. <laughs> and then you had the new mutants, and I was like, wow, God, you guys you guys really are meta. <laughs> um, um, so, oh, course, it was good. Oh yeah. So how do you? I have a question. How do you guys think it compares to season one? I don't think it was quite as good as season one. Actually, well, actually, I, I, I let, let me let me actually amend that statement. It was different from season one. It was. This is like saying, "What's a better apple, a red delicious or a Granny Smith?" Actually, it's like saying, "What's a better apple, a red delicious or a pineapple?" Nah, because because yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, they are very well, they are very different seasons. Um, but the first still, one was an origin. I, I would accept that if we were comparing a movie to a TV series. Mm-hmm. I feel well, that this is a closer comparison. Yeah, yeah. because you because you're not going to eat a Granny Smith out of hand. Right. You're going to eat a Red Delicious out of hand, but you're going to make one hell of a pie with a with a Granny Smith. Okay, see, I, I can that, that's that's my analogy. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're too sweet to just eat normally. Yeah, in my opinion, uh-huh. they're sour. Yeah, I will eat one of those in a heartbeat. Um, but anyways, my point. Oh, yeah, yeah the Port Neal's point stands. I think there's yeah, it's worse. They're, they're for different purposes. Yes. They, they serve different purposes. Because mm-hmm. season one was all about, the, was one long origin story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I loved how season two picked up with Arthur just embracing that origin. Yep. The origin story's done. Now it's time for the second Captain America movie. Yeah. Or, you know, well, the yeah. second Tick and Arthur movie. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, they were very different thematically. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. of what they covered. I mean, you know, the first one was, yeah, all origin story. The next one is, you know, Arthur, you know, leaning into become. And, you know, one thing I noticed, and I don't think this is too spoilery, but we don't see all of the powers that the suit originally was supposed to have that we saw in the first season. Yeah, he didn't really do very much with it. He didn't have the taser no. hands, yeah. I think that was mainly just, like, kind of a thematic thing because yeah. there is a lot of emphasis on the fact that, like, I can't do much, like, physically or in the field, and I, you know, like, contributing mm-hmm. in other ways, like... Hell, he barely flew in this, in this yeah, season. Yeah, exactly. He being mm-hmm. the whole brain of the brain-brawn combination and his uh, his elite uh, accountant skills that came into play and everything. Yep. Yeah, which I love those. <laughs> yeah. I love, the, I love that that was, like, a, that was a context... The paperwork was a context for flirting. Yeah, I just find that hilarious. Yeah, but you're like talking about forms like a dirty talk, like, oh, you filled this one out and that one. Oh, you filled (laughs) the form out really well. Yeah. It's like. Reminded me of that scene in the kind of okay Hitchhiker's Guide movie. I'm British. I I know how to cue. (laughs) (laughs) Which, of course, then Zayfuck goes like, ah, excuse me, president coming through. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, 
But yeah, I mean, it was, and of course, I loved what they did with Aegis mm-hmm. because they also leaned into the shield metaphor that Aegis, you know, you think of Aegis as a shield for you, <laughs> you know? Yeah, hint, hint. But, you know, it, I like, you know, the whole agent commander, um, you know, doctor agent. Yeah, they had some great uh, name yeah. name play going on. Well, and, and um, I'd be careful to avoid spoilers, yeah. though. Yeah. I can't really address well, that directly. Well, it, like in costuming. Uh, Agent Commander, you know, Rathbone. I don't anybody notice he had a captain's bars and a general star yeah, on, his, on his shoulder. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> on his shoulder. Yeah, I saw the shoulder and I'm like, that's like those are captain bars. What? Right? Next to a next to a one star general's star. Yeah, like, next to none of it is yeah, it's completely incoherent, which yeah. is kind of the point, I guess. Yeah. And it's like they're gonna have to go back and retcon that they're shit. They're just making up titles and making up ranks and <laughs> Right. Yeah. Which, in a way, it's kind of it mocks the whole concept because it's just like, hey, there's a big old agency and it's legitimate because they say it's legitimate. Right, because like, they have agents. <laughs> a lot of it just seems, and... you know, it's completely arbitrary, you know. <laughs> right. Well, they appear to have a, a budget. Yep. So. But, yeah, I mean, and... Of course, I love the, the anthem. <laughs> what we get to hear of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're so shall we just go into spoilers at this point? Yeah, I think yeah, we're, yeah, we're I think about done. Yeah. All right, so um, it's good. Watch it. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Everybody, Check it out. Everybody gets a new arc. Mm-hmm. Dot overkill. Everybody. Yep. All right. All right. Okay, so now we're in spoilers, um, and if the music that I have picked for this doesn't fo- uh, flag your memory, which means now I have to find something, it's played on very badly on the bagpipes. Flag yeah. five your memory. Oh, uh, the bagpipes thing, right? Yeah. yeah. The, the and the chick yeah, yeah. attacks the bagpipes. <laughs> yeah, okay, he's just a little winded. He's being attacked by a monster. That thing's sucking the life out of him. Which I think accurately re- re- reflects the feeling of a lot of people about bagpipes. Yeah, it's, he's not far off. Really. I like the bagpipes. When done well, yeah, they are awesome. But <laughs> it's that whole learning stage from, you know, I just picked these up to master. They don't sound much different. <laughs> definitely definitely the most brutal transition. Yeah. To mu- musical instruments. <laughs> yeah. I've always had this awful urge to try and learn the bagpipes, but there's this one big problem with that. One, I live in an apartment. Oh no, two, money. Two, a cheap ass pair set of bad bagpipes costs like $900. Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. You because don't... essentially there isn't a cheap set of bagpipes. Yeah. There is, Just so bagpipes. you play the bagpipes, here's a set of bagpipes. Yeah, exactly. You will now <laughs> learn to and master the bagpipes. A lot of traditional musical instruments are like that. Yeah. But, uh, so, I mean, oh my god. Damn you, black hole heart. <laughs> Damn you, black hole heart. 
Which so, and, he, and you're going, oh my god, sinister thing. And, and the, I love the way it comes. It it pays off at the end. Everything pays off at the end, and I love that. Yeah. Uh, I love the fact that his first name is Tyrannosaurus. Yeah. Yeah. I love the line. Sometimes <laughs> I, I wish it didn't have such a damn long name. Yeah. And he signs that for like twenty seconds. Yeah. And he's just like, Tyrannosaurus. Yeah. There's some great physical gags in this, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and I, the way he stands and walks, he's bow-legged. Yep. You know, so he always walks like a cowboy. He also kind of reminds me of like those, uh, like those veteran um, mobile infantry guys in the Starship Troopers universe. Yeah, yeah, he just exactly. seems like one of those old beat up, you know, soldier types. Mm-hmm. From that, yeah, he just know. he screams, "Drill sergeant!" Mm-hmm. You know, why so, are you even? Why are you even applying to my organization? <laughs> you know. It's, yeah, yeah, I like, I like how he most. I, I I love how he lets Arthur into Aegis, mainly just mainly so that he gets the tick. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, you're 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 his Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> I just like. And not all all kidding aside, I mean it's a valid thing. It's yeah. like if you don't have someone to aim the missile, you just have a loose missile. Yep. So it's like if you're gonna bring the tick in, you gotta have an Arthur to keep his head straight. Right. Well, and, and we've the thing is, is yeah, and we've seen this even through season one. I love how that pays off. When Arthur's not around, the tick is lost. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I mean, when Arthur is missing for one morning. When Superion is like, hey, let's go have coffee in Guatemala. <laughs> it is ironic, too, because the whole premise originally was that Arthur thought he was crazy because he was seeing the tick, but the tick feels crazy without Arthur. Exactly. <laughs> not seeing it's Arthur. The ultimate bromance. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, speaking of bromance, then there's Danger Boat. Oh, yeah. DB has been trying to, like, get with Arthur. Arthur? Like, yeah. I don't know how you define that. And I, quite frankly, I don't want to know the mechanics behind it, but well, it involves a shower. It involves sure. there's a shower. Yeah. <laughs> they finally, uh, I think they finally have <laughs> reached a point in their, a, a point of acknowledgement in their relationship, though. Right. Well, and I love how that scene played out because Arthur got to go slightly Han Solo. Oh my gosh, this, 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 this brings us back to what we were talking about earlier where Arthur comes through in a in a mundane in a non superpowered way. If it weren't for Arthur letting down Danger Boat gently, right. it was the superpower of the friend zone. Yeah, was, <laughs> he was able to talk him down to avoid them all dying. Yeah, or at least well, everyone but the tick. Well, the no, tick no. would just be fine. No, because the thing was like, if that didn't work, they're just gonna have to cut Danger Boat's spine. Well, yeah, technically so he just saved Danger Boat. Yeah. He saved all of them. But he would have if that wasn't the thing. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it was it was one of those things. That, yeah, and that's the thing is it's like. Everybody else is like, we have to cut Danger Boat's spine, and Arthur's like, wait, 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 let me let me talk to him, you know, because he realized he's the one person who would listen yeah, to him, right? And when I say you'll laugh, you'll cry. If you're not careful, that scene will get you. Yeah, that's a big yeah. uh, that's a big spoiler, by the way. Is Danger Boat can fly? Well, no, Danger Boat himself doesn't fly. He used to could fly. Well, he could he, fly. Yeah, he he could if he didn't have psychological issues with PTSD and yeah, doing so. That actually brings up a good question: If he wasn't all messed up, could he actually fly? Sure. Does yeah. he still have mechanics for it? He still yeah, has well, mechanics he? for it. He just doesn't. I don't know. That's know. why I'm asking. Well, yeah, uh, okay. they, they never said. So well, he okay. can fly. Yeah, they never said anything about he him. Just can't mentally, do it yet? Yeah, about him, about him being disabled from doing that, except mentally. Yeah, he um, won't let himself fly. 
<clears throat> it's like because he PT killed boat SP. because he killed the yeah. man he loved. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I like the the they PT boat SD. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I just clicked. <laughs> uh, Post traumatic boat stress syndrome. Well, that was the style of the boats. So You're right. Stuff, so. PT boat, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was there. The, the pun had to be made. Oh, yeah, that was then, good. I like it. But you know, and it's like I, think I love you. I know you do. It's like. Did Arthur just go Han Solo? <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a weird, indirect way, it's also like, on a, <laughs> on a serious level, being like, hey guys, watch out for AI. This is some crazy shit. we got to be careful here. There well, can yeah. be danger involved, one might say. Yeah, and boats and other. Also, but if, you know, you got to have a dance party. Yes. Right. Oh, dance party. <laughs> yeah. Dance party is great. Yeah, see, I, I love that for all of that, that we see, you know, Overkill's trying to be this... Argh. He's still a very caring person. Yeah. I mean, he he could have just basically... Um, He's similar to Edgelord in that sense. Yeah. Because, well, but, you know, he's like, I live my life by a code. Or, it's not my story to tell. So it happened after a mission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just immediately launches into the story. No, it's not like Danger Boat was going to tell a story. Right. Well, yeah. the other thing that I notice about Overkill, too, is... Um, you know, there's a there's a part of the uh, part of the narrative is the whole like dot and him okay. understanding each other and learning of who each other are more. And dot does the thing where she's like, okay, I unwish the wish so yeah. that you can kill again, but then he never actually kills anyone. No, he does. He does. He does. Oh, he, he, when he murders the hell out of a bunch of people yeah. at the at, at the, the living the, factory place. Yeah. The, oh, the, the factory place. Yeah. Oh, because there's a living furniture factory. You know, you hear that stoke The guy drops. He comes, pulls the knife out of that. He's like, ah. <laughs> okay, know, I forgot like, about that. Yeah, no, he he definitely he gets very that proceeds to be very murderous. <laughs> okay, yeah. but that's the only scene, right? Um, that, I, he kills Rex for a little bit, or. Well, he was not Keith Rex, but yeah, he was they, that wasn't yeah. actually him. Um, yeah, but yeah, they, they didn't. He didn't get a chance to do much beyond that. Yeah, and, and I love Rathbone. Speaking of physical comedy, the living furniture thing was hilarious. Oh my god, yes! And it was just like it was just people in silly suits and poses. Like <laughs> initially, I thought it was going to be like more of a transformative thing. It was like, nope, these are just people in jumpsuits, like right? striking poses. That's it. <laughs> so it's weird. Oh, it's just like. The only thought you can get through your head is, I'm a, I'm a lamp. lamp. <laughs> yeah, that's so I'm great. a lamp. <laughs> I'm gonna be a lamp. Oh man. Yeah. There's just I gotta say that that kind of thing right there. That's a perfect example, and they did this very much uh, in season one. I was disappointed though with that. With the well, they had these living furniture. I thought they were trying to set up for Chairface Chippendale. Oh, oh yeah, yeah I yeah. thought about that too. I'm like, is this gonna be a long burn, like a slow burn to a chair face scenario? You know? I was hoping it would. Yeah, yeah. We'll but see. it wasn't. But I, what I was gonna say there is that that um, that that's another great example of how they captured the spirit of the absurdity of the cartoon and comic in a live action format. Yeah, and that's so difficult to do. Right. Like it impresses me how they managed to pull that off on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the and the the thing is is. Even though it's very different from the comic, it is still very much the same. You know, because mm -hmm. they've got the themes right, and I love that they're they're exploring the way they're exploring these characters. Is there a way to turn off that sound? There is. It's getting annoying, to be honest with you. Uh, I didn't expect it to be happening, so here we go. But yet it always does. Yeah. Phone's blowing up. Yeah. So. 
But uh, I've never but, seen yeah. Paisley that deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and but I love the, to get back into another spoiler where Flexon. I mean, he's this grizzled old retired superhero. Yeah, only put on the tights so I can get in here for the croissants. croissants yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the nano butter, and everybody's the same thing. It's the nano butter, um, but you know, but he's he's like he's that guy that's been doing it for so long. He was like, yeah, I'm a retired superhero. I'm a lawyer on the side. Well, it's, he's it's an important distinction to make is he's grizzled without seeming jaded. Yeah, exactly. Like he's not like he's not naive or anything because he's been at it for so long and he's retired, but. He's also like, you know, he just does his thing. He's not just like, oh, the world is so dark and woe is me. No, he's no, more blasé you know. about it. He's more. Yeah, he's, he's just like, casual. I've been around a while. I know how this works. Yeah, he's which like, of course leads into the thing you're talking about about the docks. Right. And that was my favorite bit of the entire season. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Yeah, no matter I've been ch- yeah I've been fighting crime all over. And no matter what city you're in, there's always some guy at the docks. Yeah, <laughs> yes. in the docks, you'll see a guy. He has a look. <laughs> and then he'll give you a look. And you'll see your look. And then his look changes. <laughs> and then he takes off. You squeeze that guy. <laughs> oh, man. And I love it because it worked out exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a perfect combination of the whole, like, the setup and the punchline of a joke. Like, the initial thing is funny enough on its own because everyone knows how true it is. Right. But then they get there and it all goes down exactly, exactly. the way he describes. Yeah, right. it was like, well, that's because, like... That's, that's one of the things I love about the world of the tick. Everyone leans really hard into the cliche. Right. Because that's just what you do in this world. It's just the way that world <laughs> yeah. is, yeah. Well, and, and uh, it's like, all right, so I'm a little lost here. What next? And what I love Excuse about me. it, too, is that, like, it's always, it's played straight in a sense that, like, they're just like, yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. They're not making a joke. No. They're not making a judgment about it. They're not saying, oh, that's convenient or that's ridiculous or... Uh, maybe it should work differently. Actually, no, Arthur does say this seems all too convenient. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think, I mean, they may occasionally do that. Arthur to, like, isn't quite genre savvy enough for his world. He, exactly, and Arthur kind of plays the role of the, the viewer. Yeah. yeah. He's a bit of the viewer. It's kind of like the Han Solo thing where, like, Han Solo is kind of just the person swept along going, wow, what's going on? This is crazy. The yeah. Force, what? Like, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Know? Uh, and Arthur's, yeah, yeah. And, and I think I like the whole thing that, you know, Arthur's vulnerability is his actual superpower. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, his humanity is his superpower. Cause it, the Tick was being profound without realizing he was being profound, which is a common thing for the Tick to do. Oh, yeah, every time. <laughs> every time he opens his mouth, you know. Well, let's not I say, this might be The opening Tick so narrations stupid. this season. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot that that was a thing. Although I did like how the alarm was the same alarm tone was going off at six thirty, right, right. Oh, and that was that was another one of my, you know, enjoyable scenes. Arthur, you're a superhero, or you're a member of the Fish Ladder team, but you can't be both. <laughs> you know, if I were to open this up here, would I see some sort of crazy bunny outfit? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, that's really it's more of a moth. <laughs> Which is another callback to to the to the, uh, to the original source material because everyone thinks that he's wearing a bunny suit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a moth. <laughs> yeah. But you know, and, but again, that's another thing where I think we start to see Arthur's superpower of you know the normal guy. Yeah. You know, or actually, the thing is, that the tick refers to a superpower constantly. 
you know, it's stuff full of moxie. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, uh, it, which is just basically Arthur's courage. Well, I, I, th I think um, it's significant that that was like one of the opening scenes, basically. Because it starts with them in the apartment, then he has to go to work after being sidetracked about 50 times. And then he promptly has that conversation and quits work. But <clears throat> that whole setup there was essentially the exclamation point of the sentence of Arthur going, I'm a full-time hero now. I'm fully committed to all of this now. Right. Because you know? he was only doing that just so that they would have a base of operation. So in a way, that was only just a lip service to being a hero because he's like hey tick you like coffee well i gotta pay for the coffee you like right. you have a we have a place here we can do things okay well to keep the apartment i have to have a job and of course i mean all that is presumably is resolved in that they work for ages so he gets a check there and done deal yeah but, yeah but uh, up until well, that i point, mean he was a member of the flag five for a hot second yeah and yeah. i mean at that point he had no safety net he didn't know he was going to be able to make ages or anything so yeah. he was just you know being like it well, hadn't even opened yeah. yeah yeah he was just like you know what I'll figure it out later, but for now, i got to do this. This is the right yeah. choice. So he quit his job, and the rest right. is history. Exactly, yeah. And and I love... I'm, I think it was just great setting and cinematography is when he leaves and you see him hit the up button on the elevator, and the next thing you see is that follow that trail of clothes. Yeah. Culminating yeah. with a briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, so I, I, I enjoyed the... Um, I enjoyed the whole, like take narrative thing at the beginning, but I feel like there is too much of a good thing. Yeah. So I kind of feel like it was probably it best changed for with them the theme to, of the season. Yeah. Maybe, uh, I mean, I could see them maybe doing it occasionally if mm -hmm. there's like a particularly like, I don't know, good or funny or relevant thing, but to do it every episode at this point, I think yeah. would be a little excessive. Yeah. And, and so the other thing I liked it was Dot's, you know, Dot's arc. I think I, well, I don't know. It's it's a toss up between her and, I, no, I still think I like Miss Lentz the best. But Dot was a close second. Yeah, I'm on the hero side. Dot's was a good one because she realized, yeah, she's... Well, I mean, of the two of them, she's the one with the superpower, <clears throat> and she was the most normal one. Mm-hmm. Originally. I did like how she just took over kill the school at the end, though. Yeah. With <laughs> was like... Oh, yeah, that was great. I'll distract him. I'll, I'll draw his fire. Yeah. <laughs> Are you yeah. sure? Trust me, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, trust yeah. me, I'm good. And she proceeds to make him miss every, every shot. shot. Yep. Yeah, which, you know, Overkill doesn't normally miss. Because yeah. <laughs> he was straight shooter. Yep. yep. And I like that call-out when he first talks to Rathbone. Uh, Rathbone calling back to, you know, Godspeed, you know, Godspeed shooter. Yeah. You know, basically calling back to, this is who you really are. I also thought it was kind of a funny, like, one of those traditional, you know, like, ubiquitous um, men and women are different comedy bits where it's like, <clears throat> he's explaining that to Dot, and Dot's like, have you tried talking to him? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, no. <laughs> and he's like, point? yeah, maybe, maybe try that first. Yeah. So you listen to me. No. Like bottling up all your feelings. and Yeah. By, yeah. By, by burying the glacier of 10,000 tons of mind dice. Yeah. Mind dice. That's healthy. <laughs> that sounds healthy. <laughs> yeah. Have you been drinking? No. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, you yeah. keep breaking into my house. Nothing's broken. Nothing's broken. <laughs> right? <laughs> because, yeah, Dot, has be Dot becomes overkills Arthur. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. And then, okay, the other or arc I loved the most, uh, or loved a lot. Now, yeah, Miss Lentz loved the most, but Walter. Oh, yeah, Walter is good. Because <laughs> we get the first hint of that. 
at the end of the of of uh, season one. Also, the fact that yeah, where he kicks a bunch of people's asses. The fact right? that his legal name is John Woo. Yeah, it's just Woo. hilarious. Yeah. Does he? I can't recall. At any point, does he actually employ dual pistols? No, he no. never employed dual okay. pistols. See, that's a missed opportunity. Yes. Because yes. John Woo. Also, yeah. there should be a dove flying majestically in At a shot. At some point, right? Yeah. Probably with some, like, you know, with some light around it artistically, you know, cin- cinematically. Aww. If you ever want to see the most ridiculous example of that, Mission Impossible 2. <sighs> the end of Mission Impossible 2. Yeah. It's like it's a parody of itself. I was going to also say the... Uh... All of the face the off. shootout, the shootout scene at the end of Face, face off, off too, yeah. because there's a ton of fucking doves in a church randomly. It's like I have to, re- I have to go back and rewatch Face Off to see which is more gratuitous. It's yeah. it's pretty amazingly gratuitous. I I, enjoy, I I will say I actually I enjoyed Mission Impossible two for the ridiculousness that it was. Like I'm like this is terrible, but it's entertaining. Yeah, it's entertaining. <laughs> it's like one of those like it's so silly. But right. it knows it's silly, and it just kind of leans into it anyway. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I can, I can enjoy this, even though I know it's not Shakespeare. Right. But anyway, small digression. Yeah. But yeah, Dwalter, that yeah, was pretty. It was pretty cool. Yeah. And I like that he finally fessed up at the end. Right. Well, and, I, and and the thing is, is that it was how his mom knew something was wrong. Right. You know, it's like. It was ten words. words. <laughs> That's only ten words. Have you ever known Walter to say anything in less than ten words? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> of course, and, and then recruiting their, his mom when they were trying to take care. Oh, okay, Lobster Achilles. So Lobster Achilles, one of the things I liked about that was, she, you know, she went to Walter because of his vulnerability, his humanity. Right. You know? Yeah, the lobster Achilles thing, that was <laughs> that was like an onion that just kept getting peeled back. Oh, yeah. It was like, <clears throat> initially it's just presented as like some crazy creature that's a supervillain. And then and it's like robbing banks with, and that was the thing I alluded to in my spoilers, was the, the fisherman, the lobster. Yeah. Lobster fisherman. Yeah, the main, the main lobsterman. From, yeah. uh, where are they from? Rhode They're Island? from Maine. Oh, from it was Maine. Maine. Yeah. 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 It's the heart, the heart of lobster country. The, yeah. The, the, well, I think they said New England, but they were very obviously from Maine. Oh, he said he was from Maine. No, they did say uh, Maine. Someplace Haba in Maine. Yeah, they, yeah, they mentioned <laughs> Maine at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Arthur kept getting his ass kicked by that dude. He, like, threw him around the bathroom like a rag doll. That was pretty... Uh, <laughs> except, he fi- except Arthur finally won. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. He persevered his superpower of moxie, like the tick says. Right. Yep. Well, and, I mean, we we get to see that, too, when Arthur bluffs him at Romeo's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you look, he's looking at, the, looking at his cards, he's got nothing. He's like, nine, two, seven, four. <laughs> you know? By the way, I love that whole bit where he's like, they call me the accountant. Right. <laughs> we're, not to, we're not here to talk American history. We're here to play cards. It's <laughs> like, show me the dead presidents. Yeah. He, although, technically, Franklin was never president. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, he just can't help himself. He has to right. correct him. Yeah. So, Arthur. And then, yeah. He's <laughs> like, you have to pay $200 to see. It's like, are you bluffing me? You have to pay $200 <laughs> to see. He's, you know, he's, yeah, that, that staring match between them. And he's like, ah. <laughs> I also love how, um, I love how Miss Lint is like, 
she's she's kind of Lex Luthering it a bit, where it's like she she wins by outsmarting them. It's yeah. like, hey, look, I'm a hero. You can't touch me. Right. You can't reveal my identity. Right. Know, that's against the you law. You heard of something called the Twenty Eighth Amendment? Right. <laughs> she's hiding by the Twenty Eighth Amendment, and then yeah. But then they kind of have the last laugh because they're like, well, you're gonna change. You're gonna hear the call and all that. And she's like, yeah, whatever. And then it actually happens. Right. And she starts hearing the call. You know why you took the name of Joan Mark? Because she was a hero. <laughs> Well, what's so funny is that uh, that's my favorite bit in that with them interacting is, I think, in the entire season is, uh, I'm talking about The Tick and Arthur and Miss Lent, is when The Tick, and this shows how much of a duo they become now, is where, like, The Tick is, like, describing the call, and then Arthur, on cue, without missing a beat, like, cozies up to her other side and whispers into the other ear. They're, like, doing this whole, like, (laughs) synchronized thing. I think that was mostly because Arthur's heard that speech so damn many times. Yeah, a lot of it, to be fair, a lot of it's just sheer repetition. And I think there's a bit of a vicarious thrill of him getting to inflict it on other people. Yes. (laughs) Like, that brings out the sadistic side I get to say this to Lynn. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he he still has a mad on against Lynn, you know. And, yeah, so I, I like... Yeah, I love that part of it. Because, yeah, even she wasn't sure where her arc was going. Yeah. Although, at the end, you know, when she basically robs Aegis blind, I was like, my yeah. God, she's <clears throat> fucking brilliant. She played the long con well, against what, everyone, including herself. What I really enjoy, I mean, aside from just the reveal and the hilarious nature of that and how, you know, you know, appropriate it is, what I love about that is it still leaves the ambiguity there because, yeah, she pulled off this big heist and she stole from Aegis, but Aegis was a corrupt, dangerous organization. Run by point. another supervillain. <laughs> exactly. And she was helping them, although incidentally, right. by doing that, she's just like, no, I'm not going to do what you tell me. Fuck off. Right. And it gives them the opening to, you know, bring him down. Right. And all that. And Which, yeah, I love then, that bring down. And then Rathbone comes back to life. Damn you, black hole hearts. I'm not sure whether that's because he's a villain or a hero. Well, he's like a hero with a villain inside him. Yeah, he has some kind of like, I don't know. Because that gas cap thing on like, his it's chest. It's like a demonic possession type thing. Yeah, it was like, like a, a very a Faustian bargain like or something. thing came out of his chest and brought him back to life. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's ambiguous. Well, you know, it's probably because he's its host, and if he dies, it dies. You know, but I, I loved his, his, his uh, that line he gives afterwards... It's like that was a clean kill. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, and that was very. That's so fitting for the character. Yeah, you know? like, it really is. That, that just and that embodies who that character is. I, yeah, because he is the Nick Fury. Of that. As a as a clean kill, son. Yeah, as a clean kill. <laughs> like shakes his hand as he congratulates on him putting a bullet in his head. Yeah, yeah, and because you know that's the lesson. I like how Arthur puts together it together for the immediately head. just by meeting in the office. Oh, he's a bad guy. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, with with uh, with with acting agent <coughs> director doctor agent agent Hobbs, Hobbs um, sociopath. He he realizes, oh, Hobbs is totally the Duke, right? Because he's sitting there in the room that Rathbone literally just got killed in, like right. mm-hmm. an hour ago, right? And, just totally and, cool, and he's not, not sweating, right? Yeah, he's sitting in front of a window. That has a bullet hole in it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, he's not worried for his safety. He's not broken up about him being dead or any yeah, of that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I don't want to be in here, but this is where the acting director sits, so. <laughs> yeah. But that's not a flimsy excuse. Yeah, yeah, he's telling this to the guy who figured out that the terror was still alive. 
Right. Yeah. All on his own. Yeah, that's that's the, the thing. I guess I mean that's probably his his flaw is hubris because it's like his fatal flaw because it's like you should know better. Like this is Arthur, the guy who unraveled this giant conspiracy. Like he's gonna figure it out. Exactly. I mean, this is a guy who this is a guy who figured out your bureaucracy. Right. Yeah, just the fact that he's able to navigate all those forms successfully should give you pause exactly. about how you approach this. Yeah, because you're not going to outsmart this kid. You know, you're not going to you're not going to do this with a simple lie. I wonder yeah. if in next season Arthur is going to hook up with uh, with that paper with Miranda, <laughs> Miranda and Veranda. Which one was it? Veranda was the was the was the one that like was the bureaucrat, the, the and paper Miranda. queen, and Miranda was kind of like the. The hard ass. Was she the yeah. one that interviewed them, Miranda? Miranda was. And Miranda with the V was the the bureaucrat. The bureaucrat. Yeah. 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 I liked the throwaway line too. So what? He just lets you in because you're twins. The telepathy helps. helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the whole category thing, the, the whole testing process was fun. I love right. the tick breaking the arm, then trying to fix it, and he just kind of shoves it back in there, and he's like, there you go. I fixed it! <laughs> yeah. Well, I only just so, I broke your machine! <laughs> yeah. Fixed it! <laughs> he's, very much a, he's, he's very much like a child accidentally breaking a toy because he enthusiastically plays with it. Right? Yeah. He's like, oh no, I broke your action He really could have probably actually won against it as opposed to breaking it if he had <clears throat> tried. <laughs> right. Look, Arthur, I'm avenging you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like the shortest. That's a, what is it? That's the shortest submission ever. <laughs> I well, and and that is the that's the thing. Like go back to go back to it that we mentioned a couple times. Arthur's superpower is his complete and utter lack of superpowers. Yeah. And the fact that he's still like he's got this really cool suit. Right. Yeah. That he didn't use full boxing the whole season. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, basically all this, as far as I recollect, basically all he gets out of the suit is <clears throat> he can fly, he can see better, he has like a Google Glass thing going on. He has, I guess it's, a, is it bulletproof? It is bulletproof. It is bulletproof. It's a big high-tech Kevlar vest of sorts. Across but most he never got shot this season either. No, yeah. he didn't. The tick got shot at a lot. I'm not saying he utilized these yeah. powers. I'm just saying this is what he has access he to. He does right. have access to it, but but what is worth pointing out is for the entire season, with the exception of when he flies home at the first uh, at the at the uh, first bit. Yeah, first that's season, it. The only thing he ever, the only function of his suit that he ever uses is that it has Bluetooth. Yeah, right. <laughs> he takes phone calls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, and the lights and the lights. He never uses the hand tasers. He could have single-handedly taken down the lobster gang. Yep. You know, with the hand tasers. Yeah, taser hand. Yeah. And, as and powerful as taser face. But yeah. Yeah. You beat me in the punch there. Well, yeah. well played. <laughs> taser but speaking of tasers, here, let me help you with that. <laughs> Ms. Yeah, the guy you know, hits Miss Lit with a taser, and she's like, Really? You're kidding me, electricity? You know, a, a thought occurs to me, uh, in a weird way, <clears throat> Danger Boat was, like, the ultimate wingman to overkill, to, like, bring him closer to Dot, because, like, a lot of the context in which they got to know each other better and, like, do things together was all about Danger Boat. Yeah. You know? Like, he, I don't think he was consciously doing it necessarily. Right. But it just kind of happened that way, you know? Right. Well, and again, that, that, but Danger Boat also shows the, the human side of overkill. Right. With a dance party. 
Yeah. Well, and then I mean, right. And again, it's just like, well, you know how he said, like, oh, you know, I won't tell a story, and he immediately launches into the story. It's the same thing with the dance party thing. He's like, oh no, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. He just does it. Right. He just does it anyway. Right. Especially at the end, and with Dot, you know, right there beside him. Right. And I, I love how awkward they were when they were trying to do the flossing thing. The flossing thing. That's that dance where you get into your arms. (laughs) Yeah. But um, I didn't know that was. The it's thing. the Fortnite dance the thing. Yeah, but it's <laughs> yeah. But you, he always, he always refers. He always speaks to Danger Boat very affectionately. You yeah. Know, you okay, buddy? You rest your ready for mission, buddy. Best friend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, but you know, he's also he took just took in a sentient AI missile carrying you know gun platform. Well, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like a uh, it's kind of like a boy and his dog. Which makes sense because he's essentially a damaged boy when it all comes down to it. Yeah. You know, with his past and everything. It, they're it's both just are. a boy and his boat. Yeah, yeah it's a, a boy and his boat. boat. And it's a boat and it's boy. A boat and it, yeah. Yeah. It's like Peabody and Sherman thing there. Yeah. Because they're, they're both, you know, they, they both, you know. Um, I like how nothing can destroy Foham. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. That was another great throwaway line. Yeah, <laughs> Except for Foham. Nothing can destroy Foham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the shot of him eating it in the can label and everything. It's just yeah. Well, fantastic. It, the, he's like a plate. <laughs> Which is Arthur is that gay, or not Arthur, DB is that gay roommate that, you know. That, well, that's another thing about Danger Boat complimenting him is that, like, uh, you, that must, if it weren't for Danger Boat, can you imagine how disgusting and dirty oh, it would be? Yeah. Like, he is, uh, he, Overkill is presented as, like, this this, like, bachelor person who, like, doesn't, like, clean up after himself or really take care of himself. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, he really needs a, a woman's touch in, in more ways than one here. Yeah, and Danger um, Boat does. <laughs> Danger Boat fills that role for quite yeah, a while. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> but, yeah. But, um... <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe he'll kind of learn a bit if uh, if he and Dot make it. Yeah. At least for a while. At least right. they, at least if they have a decent length relationship, you know. Right. It's like, well, you know, and it's really kind of it's really kind of because they're 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 kind of hovering on the edge of a romance, but also on the edge of a you know of a of a just uh, a team deep up. friendship. Yeah. yeah. And it's well, that's what's fun about it too is that like in in many of those in many of these like shows or you know mm-hmm. series or whatever, it's always it's very like. Uh, faux ham fisted one could say right. where it's like oh hey there's the guy there's the girl and they, inevitab- they inevitably have a romance and it's yeah. a paint by numbers romance mm-hmm. whereas this they're both they all, they each have their own specific baggage mm-hmm. and they, they're each their own fully developed characters and then their paths cross and it's not just some thing where they get together it's like they annoy the hell out of each other right. and there's a lot about each other that they don't understand or don't like but as they get to know each other more they kind of understand each other more mm-hmm. and they they accept what they accept but at the same time they actually care about each other so they try to improve each other they don't just they, i hate this trope where it's like oh well if you truly love someone you just accept no if you truly love someone, you accept who they are, but you also want them to be the best version of their self. Right. So you don't just let them wallow in mediocrity. Like, yeah. Dot's like, hey, talk to, to, to Tyrannosaurus. Yeah. And he's like, hey, if you're serious about the hero thing, listen and learn and train and do what you need to do. Don't just, like, whine about it. Right. And they, they, they strengthen each other, and they kind of, like, develop, you know? Exactly. And it's, like, it's cool because it's, like, no matter where it winds up, they're both better, more interesting people for it. And I don't particularly care which way it ends up. I'm invested in the sense that it's interesting, but I'm not like, oh, they have to get together, be together forever. No, yeah. Or they have to have the ultimate team up. It's it's they don't even know where it's going. And it's like 
That's what's interesting about it. Yeah, I like that mystery that, you know, even as they go along, they're still not sure. And it's Mm -hmm. it's really cool that they don't just devolve immediately into, you know, kissy face. Right. And you have that tension there, which makes it more interesting. Mm -hmm. But, like, you could argue that the first thing they do is more of a, like, is like the most platonic thing because they just get drunk and commiserate. Yeah. No one really tries to make a move or anything. But at the same time, it is a little bit ambiguous in the sense that, like, and this is, again, despite his best efforts, Overkill is a teddy bear. Mm -hmm. Because they they drink, and they fall asleep on the couch, and there's Overkill. And he can't even bring himself to move his arm because he's fallen asleep there, and he doesn't want to wake her up. up. And he's just, like, frozen in that little position. You could have bitten your arm off. (laughs) (laughs) You could have moved or chewed your arm off. Yeah. No, he didn't. <laughs> that, that's, you know. But yeah, I just, I love their dynamic. It's very interesting. Yeah. And the thing is, is I would be just as satisfied, perhaps more so, if they just became, you know, a, a team without the romance. Right. Because they are developing, you know, respect for each if other. If I had to make a prediction, I would say they they try the romance thing out for a little while. Mm-hmm. It works okay for a while, but then it just kind of peters out and they accept the fact that they're just meant to team up and they team up. Yeah. I, I would, I'd be willing to make that bold prediction right now. Yeah, because, I mean... I mean, I feel like that's the logical end result to it. Yeah. And also from a narrative perspective, I think it's more interesting that way. Mm-hmm. Because then you're not, they're not beholden to the whole, hey, we're a couple thing, and it becomes a, a soap opera thing about like relationships. It's just like... You know, they're a team up, and they yeah. used to be. It. It's kind of like Seinfeld, where like uh, Jerry and Elaine dated yeah. briefly at the beginning, but none of that ever matters ever again for like right. the entire run of the show. Right. And it's much more interesting that they're just kind of like friends. you know friends that have a special kind of like exactly. inside jokes and dynamic and stuff. Personally, I'd like to see them never date, just because it would be nice to have, uh, you know, a male and female duo in tel- in in uh, televised ish media that. Never slept together. Never, that never had a romantic thing going, because like there, I to to get on my soapbox a little bit here, here uh, I like you can't ever have men and women that are just friends that haven't at least tried fucking each other first. <clears throat> do you do you think that's um, do you think some of that is just art reflecting life though? No. Mm. Because it is very possible to be friends with a woman and not want. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe because I don't have a sex drive. But um, right, we're not talking about just. It's not as. It's not as simple as just possible or impossible. I'm talking about like frequency and likelihood and stuff. Um, I'm not saying it is impossible. Yeah, I, I think we're. And I'm sure there, there are examples yeah. uh, of that. As well, well, and that's the thing is I don't think we have I don't think we have a lot of good TV examples of that. Well, it's because it's something that definitely happens. I mean, we have some. I mean, um, okay. I think part of it is that we're talking about it in a in a context of like superheroes and stuff, and that tends yeah. to be particularly bad when it comes to that stuff because mm-hmm. it's based on really old stuff that is generally catered towards children. Yeah. So it's not just like the it, if we're talking about the average show. I guess that's more of a that's a different discussion. Mm-hmm. So I'd be willing to I'd be willing to meet you in the middle here and say in this context you're yeah. basically correct because it's like the because of how it's been done thus mm-hmm. far it's essentially hasn't happened. They treat it as if it's impossible when it's not. 
Yeah. So I guess in a broader context, I would say there's probably more examples we could point to, and it's a little more nuanced. But yeah, I would say I would agree with you in this case that you're talking about a superhero context. That mm -hmm. it's basically yeah, it's like. I, I mean, I think in more modern, more modern characters and like portrayals of them, you see more of that, but. Um, yeah, you see better nuance. I, I get where you're coming from there because that would be a good. Um, this is kind of a unique situation because it's it is technically a superhero thing, but it's not really. It's like a send up of the superhero tropes, which are off in weird territory already. Right, which is why I think this would be a great place to see that. Yeah, because it can it, it doesn't it doesn't come across in this context as messaging. It's just the way these characters are. Right. You know, because these it is it to me that seems to be the way these characters really. Are. I don't know. I just I mean, when it, at the end of the day, <clears throat> I'm more interested in it just feeling like an organic thing of where the characters would go, right? Regardless of whether that's a like, oh hey, this is a messaging victory because now we can stick it to the trope of men well, and women no, having to get together. And I'm not saying that I want them to like, and I'm not saying that they need to be like, man, we should. But I just think it would be nice to have a little bit of representation. I do agree that. that it would be nice to have a good example of. A man and a woman working together platonically without it having to be some sort of romance thing. Yeah, right. Yes, I agree and, there. And, and I think that here's the other thing is that the way these two. I wouldn't actors, be offended if they if they also got together. Like, and just personally, which, which I don't would, want which, them would, to. which would fit with the whole we have to check off the tropes and make fun of them as we do so, like the guy at the docks thing. Yeah, right, right. I, I actually, you know, I think a, probably a good middle ground here would be like. Kind of like in the very beginning where they have the throwaway line about the tick mulching. Mm -hmm. They're just like, oh yeah, we tried to get together, it didn't work out, and then that's it. Right. Like they don't even, they don't show you anything. It's just like they they tip their hat to the trope, but they don't waste any time actually doing it. Or they or they sit down and they describe exactly how the relationship would have gone. Or it's just a brief conversation about the post mortem because it's been yeah. like a few weeks or a few months later right. or whatever, and it's like, oh yeah, that didn't yeah. work out at all. Yeah, no, <laughs> or, or, or that was a huge mistake. I, or I like his, I like. It. So we talked about it. We realized we realized that it would, probably wouldn't work, and we just be, we should just be friends. We decided to go with that. Yeah. yeah or it's like we talked it through, had the break, you know, had the breakup, and, you know. We, yeah, we're, we just I, get to the end. Yeah, we just we skip to the end of an amicable yeah. conclusion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we skip to the end with the amicable conclusion. But wait, there was the there was the drinking oh yes there was that there was a lot of that but you know yeah that would be a, that would be a great opportunity for them to, to lean on some of those other tropes you know but like the, the solemn I, conversation of why their relationship can't continue for the greater good right stuff like yeah, that, that you know yeah well but I, the thing is the other thing that works with this is the chemistry between these two characters yeah that's another thing feels worth noting mm -hmm. feels like it is two equals you know because i mean while while um Overkill, Esteban, um, you know, has this mentor state form at a certain point. Once Dot comes into her own... Yeah, that dynamic has shifted. That now, dynamic has shifted, two. and yeah. so they are, you know, they are partners. Right. You know, um, because, yeah, it's... So I like the way that they have developed without it being this burgeoning romance. Right. And I can see it going on without it because that's just the way those characters are. Yeah. I guess for me, like part of it is like the way they've the way they've uh, the way they've portrayed it is that um, although all of that is true and the dynamic shifted and like <clears throat> another thing too is that like Overkill respects the hell out of Dot and you don't see Overkill give his respect easily to people, no, you don't. which is significant. And um, but anyway, all that aside, they also do 
like the way the way the acting, the facial expressions, the shots, the setup and everything, the way you see all this stuff go down, there's also a lot of unspoken subtext of sexual tension going on there. Like they're always just is, on the yeah. brink of doing something and uh -huh. then don't. And right. it's like you can tell that they both want to, but they also don't want to. They're not sure if they should. Right. And all, but what's great about it is that's all just nonverbal. That's yeah. all just portrayed. Yeah, for interpretation. Such a good job with that. I, but I think the thing that really, um, at the end of it, when you know when Danger Boat starts blasting Dance Party, and, yeah. and you know, and Overkill is like, I've got to dance. <laughs> so Dot just comes over there and dances with him. Are you having a dance party over here? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, and she yeah. just comes over and dances with him. And it's like that's the she That's the ultimate, you know, partnership. Is like, right. oh, you know, shit's going on, and you know, you're. This is kind of embarrassing. Well, I'll be embarrassing with you. Exactly. <laughs> you and that's, that's such a perfect capstone on it because it's like. It's still there's still the potential for some sort of romance at some point, and that would certainly go along with that. But more, that's more on the side of just solidarity and being a real friend. Like, yeah. hey, you're you're in a, you're in an awkward situation. I'm just gonna bull through it with you because that's what friends do. Yeah, you know. Because if both of us are doing it, then it's cool. Right, right. <laughs> you know, she could sit back there and watch and laugh, but no, she goes out there and dances. By the way, I just I want to throw this out there uh, before we forget. I love the concept of. Uh, Hey guys, Aegis is having its open house like it's a like it's a junior high or something. Right. <laughs> it's just so funny, like the tours and like, yeah. oh man, it's just a lot of that stuff is just so great. Yeah, I mean, Aegis, Aegis was was beautifully done, and I like that they're still there. They're just not doing the Flag Five, right? Which means. Tick and Arthur might still be employed by Aegis next season. I would assume so, because, I mean, they got to eat. And right. And established that he does not have a traditional job anymore. Right. And, of course, you know... But they're uh, still ready they going? Just afternoon patrol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, yeah, I love that. Well, and... I mean, there, there's so many arcs. And, of course, Kevin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kevin. A little tinfoil so hat. full-time nanny now. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Also, so apparently, he can turn people invisible. Yeah. What What was up with that? Well, he's a category. He's a category. That's why he's. That's why he's. Did they long. ever allude to that earlier? He said yeah. that he was a category. Two dot. No, I mean a season one. No. No. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. But the thing is, is he is so hero adjacent in so many things. Yeah, because he lives in his office is in the robot head. Do you, is it is the implication there that he was experimented on? I don't. Or is, don't, did he just get driven crazy by the process? Or we don't know. It's that's so ambiguous. Thing. It is. I, I guess love that. And I think that's the point, right? Yeah. Behind the character to an extent is his mysteriousness. Yeah, because in the first season he's just the this guy who happens. I mean, he is like the ultimate. Um, he is the ultimate bit of unobtainium. Yeah, I mean, eight minutes left. By the way, okay. Or actually, no. He's he's more like he's more like the magic stick. You know, because Kevin is the one who creates uses the robot body to to house the the mad scientist. Kevin is the one who you know get, gets all of the bismuth off of uh, big bismuth off of uh, off of uh, the tick. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's like the a one. living, breathing MacGuffin. Yeah, the MacGuffin. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, he was MacGuffin Man. It's and the tin foil that ties it all together. Right. Do you know the MacGuffin Man? There's a droid in. But, you know, and in this one, he also still ties a lot of it together. Yeah. 
he, he is the MacGuffin. I mean, he's like the the guy that you know happens to be just a pinch hitter. He's a utility outfielder. It's funny. I, I didn't. You know, there's so many things to talk about. Yeah, it's it, that's another thing that's so great about the show is that like for a show that is uh, on the surface so silly and irreverent, it has a lot of deep shit going on. Oh, I know. Like, even... the, like the characters and the development and some of the ambigu- ambiguity and some of the moral questions that things are raised and stuff. And we didn't even get into the Duke and his whole, you know, oh, you know, these categories are, are not human. They should right. be serving us. Well, a lot of this is very much X Men territory. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is these are these are tropes that have been explored. You know, for decades, of course. Right, but but the thing is, is it it doesn't villainize them so much. But you know, yeah, he he goes to those places, and it's like he he's a nuanced character. He thinks he's the hero here. Right. Yep. Yeah, those are the most um, those are the most dangerous uh, villains. villains and just evil and stuff in general. Just both in um, both in fiction and the real world alike. I mean, yeah. you look at things like. <clears throat> fundamental religious uh, terrorists and stuff, and they genuinely yeah. believe they Nobody are the good guys. Nobody thinks they're the villain in their own story. Yeah, I'm going to just... I'm going to strap a bomb to my chest and blow up some house in an Israeli settlement. Or yeah, or um, was it? Or in, I'm going uh, to get a gun and shoot Buddhists. up a bunch of people in San Bernardino, whatever yeah, the case or, may be. Or, yeah, or Buddhists fighting each other. They think they're doing the right thing, and, I mean, and which is funny, Buddhists of all people. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, yeah. Um, or you get the, you know, the, uh, oh, the, the, the Jim Jones cult and the, you know, they come across as villains and, or, uh, not, uh, Waco. Um. Branch Davidians. Branch Davidians. Yeah. Although I would argue that federal government was really the villains there. Yeah. Well, the thing is, they <laughs> made it a bloodbath. Yeah. Well, nobody came out of that smelling like a rose, but, yeah, they had their own, their own things on both sides of it. Um. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, yeah, I mean, the broader point is the whole like you know, yeah. the villain convinced that he is actually the hero thing, right. and it just makes it more interesting anyway. Yeah, because it just you know a mustache twirling villain who's like I am evil because evil just yes. isn't very interesting. Yes, but I am evil because I am actually saving you. You're welcome. Which Superion? Yeah, almost becomes exactly what he's you know. Well, and then they have the reveal at the end where he's like he's a fugitive apparently from his own people. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes. What I found the most telling about Superion is like if it weren't for them showing up at that precise moment, he was going to obliterate the Earth. He was going to try and stop. He was going the Earth's to motion and, and, and turn yeah. back time, a la Superman. Which which still wouldn't work. Yeah, which yeah. wouldn't work, and he would. Yeah, basically, it's like TLDR. He messes with the orbit. Everyone dies in a big ball of fire. Like right. that's how that would have played out. And he was literally like winding up to do it. So yeah. it's like <laughs> I feel like we should at least take a second there to acknowledge that because like although it was just kind of a thing that was percolating and was there for a few jokes here and there. Like there's an undercurrent throughout the season of him. And I, I have to say I didn't see where some of the twists and turns wound up, and I didn't know that John Hodgman was going to be the big villain. I thought they're setting up a superior thing. I thought he was going to be the antagonist, and everyone was going to have to band together to try to figure out how to stop him. Right. But that didn't wind up working out that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know where they're going to go with that, but that's an interesting. Uh, well, I teaser love the, for yeah, this season. I love that they closed it with that, you know, because <laughs> basically that leaves it open for a season. I guess they were just laying the groundwork, right? For because it looks like he is probably going to be the focus of season three, right? Or at least a big subplot, right? I mean, there's still the terror was, to be unfrozen. One thing I just realized that this: did we ever see Bronze Star using his powers? I don't think no. so. No, his just, superpower was name recognition. Yeah, his superpower was I'm a I'm a I'm a statue man. 
Yeah. So this is world is so twisted that a mime, essentially, <laughs> like one of those living statues. <laughs> Maybe he actually was he a talks, living though. statue. Oh yeah. man, can you imagine the origin story on that one? Yeah. That would be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Radioactive pigeon poop. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Final oh, thoughts, gentlemen. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, well, <clears throat> it was really good. I'd have to watch season one again to see which one I think is better. Like you guys said, they're different. Um, but the bottom line, I think, for me is I enjoy the hell out of it, and I'm excited for a third season. Yeah. It should be fun. I, I hope they get it. I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah. Now, this one, for me, this one was fun. I think, yeah. This season was fun, but it was also deep and complex. And yeah. you know, watching it again, I'm sitting here seeing things I didn't see the first time, which is a tribute to what the tick actually is. You know, it's a send up, but it's a thought, well thought out. Yeah, story. yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a very well thought out series. I mean, if you see one superhero film this year, go see it in uh, Endgame. But if you see a second one. <laughs> Make this it. If you see a second one, uh, go see John Wick 3. If you see a third one... <laughs> John Wick 3 is not a superhero film, man. That's an action film. He's a superhero. I can tell you he's a superhero. You know why? Because he hasn't died from the ridiculous beating he takes in each movie. Why is that? Which happens like back to back. He's a, he's a superhero in the sense that he is a super vigilante, like yeah. a Punisher. Or a For traditional superhero, he kills way too many people. Yeah. But uh, he's just but a very bad. He's just a grim dark '90s superhero. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's Spunk. team of veg lord. Oh my god! Can you imagine if Todd McFarlane wrote a John Wick thing? That would be super weird. That would be uh, that would be that would be odd. That would be yeah, <laughs> odd, strange, and several other uh, adjectives. So yeah. I hope I didn't just put that out into the world because I do not want that to ever be a thing. Our podcast doesn't have nearly enough viewership for that. So. Listenership. Yeah. I just mean whatever ship. <clears throat> I just mean in the metaphysical sense. Yeah, no. No, because I couldn't even conceive of what that would be like, what that would look like. Inconceivable. And, yeah. Inconceivable. Final thoughts, Neil. I quite enjoyed it. Um I enjoyed I, I, I specifically really liked the world building. Yeah. That happened in this one. Like yeah. Okay, so Aegis is back, so let's have all these heroes just come out of the woodwork and have people recognize them. Um, which I kind of liked. It's like, it's, it's flex on. <laughs> A flexometric man. Oh, I'm, I'm tired. Yeah, I just put the yeah. Also, just as an aside, tight so I could get into the lab. As an aside, it's so weird that the actor that plays him is like Negan's lieutenant in The Walking Dead. He's like, I'm so used to seeing him as this weird scuzzbag, evil, right? sadistic guy. And seeing him in a superhero outfit, a colorful one at that, is super weird. Right. Well, the other thing I liked about this was the the wall of heroes. Heroes burn bright forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a memorial wall. Yes, it was. And it, it was a reminder because Arthur was at it all the time. It was a reminder that yeah, there this in, even in this universe, heroes die. Yep. Especially when you don't have any powers. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He has a suit. That's about it. Yep. All right. Well, next time uh, we'll talk about something else. Probably Endgame. Probably. Yeah. I'm <laughs> sure it's gonna think? be Endgame. <laughs> But um, <laughs> that'll be next time on uh, Geek Fanthology.
This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by a letter and a number. Opening theme is Ultra Mega Hyperstorm, and ending theme is March of the Mind, both by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this podcast, or know someone who would, please consider sharing it on your social media, sending us an email, or leaving us a comment. We read all of them. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us, either by donating at our website, or on Patreon at patreon.com slash workingtheory. A final thought. We are pre-recording this outro for use in emergencies if Neil cannot record the outro. As such, we are being vague. We hope you will... I don't know, I can't even think of how to say this. That's how unscripted and unplanned this is, and hopefully you'll never hear it again. Bye!